Hey everyone, before we start this week's show, I just want to tell you one thing. Matt and his wife and their band Vocal Few are going to be on tour all summer long, and uh, they start in a couple days. You can go to vocalfew.com and get tickets to their living room tour. So go check that out and support Matt. He starved a lot of trolls to make a crazy decision to take his entire family across the country. I'm not that crazy, but he is, so go support that man for starving many trolls to do that. Uh, unfortunately, that means it's going to be really hard for us to continue this podcast this summer, so this is our second to last episode. We're not going to be able to put out the traditional Don't Feed the Trolls podcast for the summer. But don't worry, if you're a patron of the show, we're still going to be releasing Troll Talks. So cruise over to patreon.com and support us, and you'll still get content every week. All right, thanks so much. Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, a podcast where we do stuff, but it's never enough. That's right. For some people, the pressures placed on them based on the color of their skin can be a huge troll in their life. So today, we discuss racial expectations from outside and even within your own quote-unquote group. The troll of not being black enough, or as he calls it, blackish. <laughs> So today, we're going to have Aaron Noel, who runs a blog at ChristianAlcoholic.com. Yes. He emailed us, right? And that's how we got him on the show? Yeah, he emailed us. He actually came out to uh, a show when I was on the East Coast in um, Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> oh, did uh, did Kate come out in Baltimore? She didn't. I forgot to I forgot to hit her up about that. Oh, you blew it. Dude. I know. Yeah. I'm so I'm so one track mind on the road. But yeah, I actually met Aaron. Really nice guy. And oh, cool. uh, he hit us up on, on, on email and said, you know, I, the troll of not being black enough. And I thought that was interesting because we have these trolls within our cultural or ethnic groups that kind of there's these expectations and pressures put on you based on the color of your skin or your, your, your family or your upbringing or your origin. And if you don't fall in line with that, sometimes you can be trolled for it. So I thought that was a great topic that he brought up. And so let's bring him on the podcast. Promise. Yeah, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. Yeah, I promise these niggas ain't on it. Promise, but I keep it real, I keep it a hundred, I promise. I keep it a hundred, I promise. I keep it a thousand, I promise. I keep it ten thousand, I promise. I'm keeping it honest, I promise. I'm keeping it honest, I'm keeping it honest, I promise. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Welcome to the podcast, Aaron Noel. 
We're sorry for saying your uh, your name wrong. Oh no, no problem. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I get it all the time. You run a blog at uh, ChristianAlcoholic.com, and you contacted us about a troll topic, which we think is pretty interesting. Uh, but just up front, can you give our listeners a little bit of perspective on kind of who you are and what your blog is about? Yeah, my blog has nothing to really do about the topic that we're gonna discuss. But um, okay, I'm just a Christian who had a real hidden struggle with alcohol and a struggle that almost cost him his life and realized that the secrets I was keeping and by trying to pretend one way in church and act another way outside of it was leading me down a bad path and started uh, blogging just to have an honest outlet to just be able to be an open, honest Christian. Right on, right on. Well, I read your uh, blog. Uh, mm-hmm. called It's at christianalcoholic.com slash blackish. And uh, that's kind of what we're talking about today is there's a term called Oreo, which I guess is what people call those who might have black or brown skin, but have interests that differ <laughs> from the majority of black or brown people. Yeah. Have people called have people called you this before? I'm laughing because like when you said it, it shocked me. And I was like, I haven't heard that in a while. But yeah, no, I was called that multiple times in high school, middle school, stuff like that. So are you and you recall that by by white kids or black kids? Always by white kids. <laughs> white kids. Call yeah, oh. that's 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 the interesting part about it. But yeah, no, that's a thing. So for me, I have black skin on the outside, but apparently my heart on the inside is white because of the interests I have and stuff like that. I mean, my wife is white, but and what sort of stereotypical interests are people placing? Yeah. What are white things? What are white do? people into? White people. <laughs> well, white. First of all, white people are into both of your bands. So, <laughs> so um, that is very white. That that's is very, very white. white. I don't know if you. I was at um, the Hampton show for uh, that. The classic crime was just on. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, so we I met real quick, and I don't know if you noticed, I was the only black kid at the meet and greet, and then. When the concert started, I was still the only black kid, but it's fine. <laughs> that always, so yeah, that, always, that you got to start reaching out. That always kills me. <laughs> I know, I can't help it. I. But in high school, though, but in high school, though, there's got to be other things that people oh, yeah. stereotype you know. So it's like it's anything from the music you listen to, the way you dress, how you talk. Even like the sports you're into. So what sports are you into? So you were like a soccer well, player. I, mean, I, would into- guess? I, I don't even know. <laughs> no, I, I'll actually. So like my freshman year of high school, I did a fantasy hockey team, and that like blew everyone's <laughs> mind. Like one that I knew what hockey was, and that second that I knew enough about it to do a fantasy team. Did you go to like a predominantly white school? Yeah, uh, the school I went to was a Catholic high school. Okay. The city in Connecticut I live in is predominantly like Italian. What city? Waterbury, okay. uh, Connecticut. It was known as the Brass City. It was big during World War II. So, so you're in a you're in a school full of white kids, and they look at you like you should behave a certain way based on whatever entertainment they've seen or whatever they've seen about black culture, and they look at you and they expect you to not like hockey or care about hockey. Yeah. So pretty much what they saw on BET or UPN, they were like, I guess that's what black people are supposed to be, and I would just so far. Yeah, left from that. And that, stere- that stereotyping is a form of racism, right? Like they might not even know it. The kids that I heard this from, like I don't think they were trying to make me feel bad. I think they just just ignorant of the fact that, like you know, like we're not all the as what they see us on TV or whatever. Yeah, but right, um, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize that at the time, but 
the older I got, I realized like the damage hearing that constantly did to me. <laughs> it was like you're failing at something that you shouldn't fail at because you're born that way. So it's like I was born black, but it was like I was I was doing a bad job at being what I was born into. Right. So that like really messed uh, me up later in life, I realized, because I struggled with self-hate and like not feeling any worth. And I realized a lot of it's done from the fact that like I was like, I can't even do black right so like how can i do like anything in the rest of my life there other black kids at the school that you went to yeah they were all on the basketball team and what (laughs) and and what did they what did they call you because the white kids are are have their names that they call you what are the black because it sounded like in the email you were saying it was it was you were getting flack from your black friends but i could be wrong yeah no i mean the there wasn't too a ton of black people in my graduating class and they were, like, pretty cool with me. I mean, they just thought I was a little different because of, like I said, some of my interests. And I didn't think I made this clear in the email, but it, I actually got heard it more from white kids, which wow. I think was more damaging because at least, like, <laughs> if a black kid was like, you're not black, I'm like, well, at least he has some, or he or she has something to base that on because they are in black culture. Yeah. So it's like right. someone outside of the culture telling you, you don't measure up to the culture that they have no idea they aren't even a part of. Do you see that with, with black people, though? Like giving other black people a hard time because they kind of lean more towards white interests? Do you see that outside? Yeah, I definitely do see that. It's unfortunate, but it's definitely, it can be from either within the culture or outside of the culture, for sure. Yeah, there's this topic that's just popping up in my head. It's 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 about group identity versus personal identity. And it seems like our culture is kind of moving towards Um, just over time, it seems like people are more just identifying with groups, like big groups. Mm -hmm. So whatever minority group you could be a part of, whether you're an immigrant or not. And then there's this intersectionality where, you know, your groups come together. Maybe you're black, maybe you're female, maybe you're black, female and gay. Then suddenly you have this crazy intersectionality of these groups and makes you really, you know, it's all about group identity, right? As opposed to someone saying, you know, I'm, I'm an individual that does not necessarily identify with the politics of that group or necessarily identify with the religion of this or that group what do you have to say to that because it sounds like the struggle was really about your identity like yeah people not people not accepting who you were based on their their preconceptions of what you should be there like there's no way it's kind of like music so like you guys have you know you guys are in band so you guys are always put in that like oh they're just a christian band right well yeah we get boxed in yeah for sure but it's like obviously you dip your toes in different uh genres and like parts of music and i feel like as people we do the same thing like okay so i'm black but then i also have other interests and like i'm a millennial but i have interests outside of that like there's we're always dipping right. our and we pick up perspectives and opinions from different groups and try to guess in the into that ends up forming the individual us it kind of sounds like you didn't like you didn't have those pressures to like those things. And I would say that, you know, your family at a young age is a big part of the formation of your interests and where you are. Cause if your parents aren't taking you to places or signing you up for stuff, you're not getting into things. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. do you feel like your family as a black family was just more influential on you to just get into other stuff or where did it, where did it start? What was your sort of beginning to like, like how did you get into hockey? For example, that just seems <laughs> How did you get into other white activities that, or or what were called white activities? 
I'm I'm just having so much fun with this conversation. I just have to say that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so okay, hopefully that's um, a good thing. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great. Um, so both I'm 100% black. Both my mom and dad are black. Okay. Um, and I have huge families on uh, either side. My dad's from North Carolina, so most of his family is still down there. Yeah. And all my mom's family is around uh, Connecticut. And at an early age, I kind of made a decision that I just didn't want to be a part of where my family was going. Hmm. And what do you mean by that? What I mean was that, like, as a young black kid, I saw the same shows everyone else saw, and I saw my family, and they were just into things and did different things that, like, I was just like, I don't want to be a part of that. And, like, I don't want to feel like I have to do that because... I am black. Like I. Oh, so you're an individualist. You're a rebel. What do you mean, though? <laughs> like, what stuff? I, I'm really curious. Like, what things? I guess what it was is, like, where I grew up, the schools I went to were, like, small private Christian schools. Okay. And so I was always, like, the only black kid or, like, one of the only black kids. So, like, all my friends growing up were white. Like, my best friend since I was born is white. I had, like, a lot of white influence just because that's where I was around. And I, so I saw their interests and I saw the interests of my family. And I was just like, I kind of like these <laughs> quote unquote white interests more. It wasn't like my family was like awful and I didn't want to yeah. uh, hang right, out right, with them. Right. But they were just like, they only, most of them like just listen to a certain type of music. And I yeah. was like, I kind of want to branch out more than that. So they were, they were like, of, you got to play drums in the worship band. And you're like. <laughs> well, that's funny because I did. <laughs> I did play drums in the worship band. It's funny you say that because the two instruments I play, I'll ask you guys to guess what you think the two instruments I play are. Bass and drums? <laughs> yeah, <know>. exactly. So. <laughs> that's, the, that's the stereotype, it at was, least. I don't it know. It was right around that time that South Park episode came out where um, With- Cartman and Token... And he's like, he, he wants to do the band. And yeah. he's like, Token, you know how to play bass. You have one in your basement. And he's like, no, I don't. And then he goes in the basement. There's a bass and he knows how to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Token, get the bass guitar out of your basement and meet me over at my house. What? We don't have a bass guitar. Your family's black, Token. There's bound to be a bass guitar in your basement somewhere. Hey, there was a bass guitar in my basement. I told you, Token. All right, buddies, give me a beat. Okay, nice, very nice. Alright, Token, give me a smooth bass line. I don't know how to play bass. Token, how many times do we have to go through this? You're black, you can play bass. I'm getting sick of your stereotypes. Be as sick as you want, just give me a goddamn bass line. Peace. No material possessions shall cloud my judgment. As I reach in ethereal directions to provide my substance. Love is not found but resides inside me. I manifest this. I will respect myself and wear serenity as my necklace. I will replace what I take and have tranquility as my breakfast. Shed a new light on a new path. I will gain wisdom and lose wrath. Attain wisdom and refuse grab. And build upon what I built on and wisely regulate time I do have. Cause what is defeat? But just the evidence of my haste. Lack of preparedness in my waste. I'm thinking about this in, in, in high school, I made the basketball team and I am six, two redhead, blondish kid, super white kid. And I stood out like a sore thumb and I felt like I got made fun of on the basketball team. Cause I was the kid who walked through the locker room, listening to silver chair and smashing pumpkins. <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like, what are you listening to? And I was like, I wasn't listening to hip hop. And they're, and they're like, 
They're like, you, is that your warm-up music, man? Listen to the silver chair? And, and the black kids and the white kids that acted black would make fun of me. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I don't get it. Like, I'm just here. I don't, you know what I mean? It was, there was like 15 kids on the, the basketball team, and there was this pressure. That was the only thing I can relate in my life that felt odd. Like, other than that, I'm just a regular yeah. white kid, you know. In white culture growing up, there's always friends who kind of fully embrace the fashion and slang and interests of hip-hop culture, but who were white. Here's a, <laughs> yeah. Here's a good question for you. What activities do you see white people not engaging in because they think they're too black or black people not engaging in because they think they're too white? Let's see. I see black people avoiding classic crime and Sherwood concerts because it's too white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even. Yeah, I, I, see, I see a lot of black people avoiding certain types of music because it's either too emotional or too, you know, hmm. it's not hard enough type of thing. I see them avoiding certain uh, clothing styles because, you know, they're too preppy, even though that word's dying out. Yeah. But That's true. I think of Warp Tour. The only black guy I remember on Warp Tour was the drummer of Yellow Card LP. Yo, yep. no, Swayze. <laughs> Swayze? Remember Swayze? <laughs> Swayze, yeah. We, we, we were on stage. We, we, we shared a stage with Swayze and Katy Perry on 2008 Warp Tour. Well, that was, that was later in the years. I was, I was an earlier. We were, last one we did was 2006. <laughs> Any other activities you Yeah, think? no, just because um, like now baseball's becoming less of a, a sport that black kids have interest in so different sports like that i know like adam jones uh the center fielder for the orioles is like big on trying to just bring back baseball in the inner yeah. city but um just stuff like that but on the opposite end i don't think there's really an answer to that question because the thing that's always been interesting to me is that it seemed like white uh kids had an easier time doing black things and no one cared Right. So, hmm. you know what I mean? Because, mm -hmm. like, I'm saying, like, the kids in my high school were telling me, like, I wasn't black enough, but they were white kids were, doing, like, like listening sure, to hip-hop, you sure. know what I mean? Like, trying to be good on the basketball court, like, wearing Nikes and Jordans, like, all those stupid things that are only for, for black sure. people, you know, like, or they were into. Or by black people. Yeah. My two heroes growing up, one was Michael Jordan and one was Bruce Lee. I didn't have any white heroes. I was just like, I'm going to do Kung Fu and be a professional basketball player. You know, and, and no one no one stopped me. No one said, that's not white. So you're saying there was, there was no pressure for you as a white kid to be in any kind of activities? Yeah. I mean, my parents, my parents yeah. were really encouraging. Like, obviously, I was never going to be good at basketball but they kept putting me into the thing and keep you know kept kind of like encouraging me do you think black kids then have pressure to participate in certain activities and if and if they don't then they get looked down on by both sides of the table i don't know about both sides but definitely the black side like if there's an immense pressure put on black kids growing up to be and act a certain way I mean, I luckily didn't grow up in, like, such low-income, like, black situation that, unfortunately, is, like, real common in the country right now. But, um... Yeah, yeah. So, they're really taught that unless they are really good at a sport, can, like, rap extremely funny, like, that's the only way they can make it out. So, they really have mm, to... Right. They have that pressure on themselves to really just, like, do well at the things that they're supposed to do well at 
so that they have a better right. shot at life. This is, it's almost like white culture says, okay, black people, you can have these things, and if you can't do those, then there's no other mm -hmm. opportunities. It's almost, like, it's almost like the system set up to be like, you either got to be really good at sports or, you know, whatever, whatever. Like, you got to do these three things or else you're going to be a gangbanger and a drug dealer. Like, those, those are your options. Yeah. It, it kind of sounds like, I, I might be saying way too much here, but it kind of sounds like maybe you're saying as you grew older, you started to kind of resent the black community a little bit because of that, or no? I resented both communities. riot against it or something? <laughs> yeah, I resented the black community in the sense that I was upset that they kept believing the lie about where black people were a certain way, we have to be the certain way. And then I was right. resented white people for enforcing that, like, you are black people, you have to act a certain way. And the thing that really... Right bothers me about some of the, the white culture and some of the kids that you know teased me or whatever growing up was that they, it's like they wanted so hard to be what I was that's right. a black person in America is not an envious position you know what I right, mean right it's so much yeah. harder to be a black person in America than it is to be a white person so I was like why are you trying so hard to like put yourself at a disadvantage and I don't want to be sure. on a soapbox but it's like there's some really brutal statistics so like one in six black men will be in jail. And if that trend continues, they're projecting it to be one in three. So that's, that's horrible right. right there. And then right now, one in around three black children are aborted. That's wow. like 33% like of like black children don't even get a chance to decide what they want right. to be in life. Due to, due to a lot of poverty and, and cyclical issues. Yeah, and sure. just the education is, is just horrible and... Black communities, and it's not something. So where to... do you, where do you where where do you see yourself in in kind of the the whole picture? Because you mentioned that you you know you definitely grew up with a level of privilege. You know, going to private schools yeah. and and kind of you know your parents giving you opportunities. Um, and so like you you kind of come at come at it from a different perspective than someone who's maybe born in the projects in mm -hmm. Baltimore and you know, maybe goes to a really underfunded, crappy public school where they don't even give you enough credits to, like, actually graduate or get, you know, get into college. Um, like, wh where do you see yourself in, in the middle of that? Like, how do you how do you reconcile and how do you help and how do you, you know, are, how do you take action? I think the blackest thing I can do is to educate other black mm -hmm. people. I only found out those statistics like within the last year. And I was like, you can tell me like I'm not black because of the music I listen to and the clothes I wear and the hobbies huh. I like. But like to me, like the only black thing and black responsibility I have is to better uh, the situation for myself and other um, blacks in the country. So right. like I think that's the blackest thing any black person can do is to <laughs> is to educate <laughs> themselves on like the stuff that we're up against and to tell sure. other people there's Are you a way out. Black people um, sort of avoid avoid white people and then they don't get that education or... <laughs> that came you know, out really out. weird. <laughs> no, it's okay. No. Black, know, black people are often born in situations where yeah. there are no there are no Well, no, no, I know. There there are no education systems to support education at all. Oh, I, yeah, I totally yeah. I totally think I, I mean, I've listened to so many NPR episodes about this that like one that was amazing was about how how much more it costs mm -hmm. a, a poor person 
right? Yeah. Um, to do yeah. regular things that like middle class people, like for instance, just owning a car. If you want to own a car, but you live in the ghetto, insurance is going to be three times as expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's going to get, you know what I mean? <laughs> so there's just things like that. And it was just going through the list and I was, my mind was blown. I was just like, you know, white kids grew up and say, Everyone in America can pull themselves up by their bootstraps mm-hmm. in this podcast. Like, shut it down. Like, no, that's not true. There is institutionalized racism, and it affects everybody. I'm just saying, like, you found yourself in a, in a situation where you were around white kids, and in the long run, you're kind of saying you wish black people would pull themselves out of, educate themselves somehow, and see things from a, a I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to... yeah. No, I mean, you're right. Like, it's a huge systemic problem. But um, I guess think because of where I came from and the fact that I had a advantage, to, so to speak, I guess feel like I have, like, a, a huge responsibility to mm. impart that knowledge because, like, you're right. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of black kids don't know anything other than that. Right. My only options are to make it in basketball or to be a, a, a rapper or whatever, yeah. It's hard for them to see anything other than that because it's all they're they see around them and it's all they're being told from the outside. So it's like I feel like there's not everyone's born in those situations. So people like me, I think, have a responsibility and owe it to the people on the on the lower end of it to really just try to help them see that there are options and that, you know, they don't have to be a certain way because of how they were born and where they were born. So you kinda wanna be the Adam Jones of of awareness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd, love, I'd love to be the Adam have you, Jones of... Have, have you ever uh, heard of Christina Cleveland? No, I haven't. Uh, she's a social scientist, and she teaches theology and some social justice stuff. But she, she I, I just saw a talk that she gave growing up in a privileged black family. Um, her, mm-hmm. her dad, you know, was from Compton and, like, got out and moved to San Francisco, basically, you know, got a, became college educated and, and, and got a good job and was all about, you're going Ivy League. Like, he just, you know, did this 180, you know, like, I'm not going to raise my kids in this, you know, and and so she mm. was raised really privileged in a, in a way. Like, mm-hmm. she was with, you know, they would go to the opera. Like, that's what they would do for fun. Like, way, way more advanced and academic than most white people's upbringing. Like, you know, 1% Ivy Leaguers. And then she goes on to college and goes to Harvard and learns all these things or whatever. And everyone's just giving her opportunity after opportunity because she's so just smart and amazing at what she does. She just felt, like, really disconnected from... The black community because she she was she was kind of given this privilege by her parents you know hard work and so she mm-hmm. ended up she ended up starting like she she moved into a, a poorer suburb of i forget where maybe chicago and she started making just making friends with her neighbors and you know they're black people and they're different than her and they have different experiences and what she said was she most she had to earn their trust over a long period of time because they didn't trust her. She wasn't from them. She wasn't of them or whatever. And she mm-hmm. had to develop relationships by listening. Um, and it was just so odd to me because I'm thinking, like, that's what I would have to do because of my privilege and the way I was born. Um, I would have to just sit and listen for a long time for anybody to trust me because what's my perspective? I haven't had to struggle in the ways that other people have had to struggle. So I guess my question to you is, uh, like, if you had advice for white people, obviously you had um, ignorant white kids 
say horrible things to you and, and have expectations for you growing up. And obviously that should stop and there should be a, an awareness that people aren't just the color of their skin or aren't don't just adhere to those cultural norms. But like if there are white people listening to this podcast who want to do something about racism in America, they don't like it, they want to do something, where do we start? I mean, I guess you start by educating yourself because if you don't know what you're talking about, no one's going to listen. I think it just starts in just remembering that like you've been taught that anything's possible. Don't teach that to in any different way than someone else. You know, white America, you're pretty much told that you can be president. Sure. Just don't have expectations for people. Right. Let yeah. people show you who they are before you tell them who they are. To, uh, speaking of president, you brought that up. I, I think Barack Obama sort of got a lot of this. Like, you know, he wasn't black enough. Oh, yeah, for sure. He definitely heard that a lot. But he was good at basketball. Yeah. Did you get that vibe about Barack Obama? Did you feel like he was accepted fully by the black community or it was kind of this... I don't know. I think he was accepted fully by the black community, but for like the wrong reasons. What do you a- mean? It could have been any black person. Right. Okay. And they would have just been like, he's our Even guy. Even Ben Carson? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, been anybody. One thing I want to say about how can white people help, I would, another thing I want to add is to use their platform mm-hmm. because it's just the way it is. The white f- platform is bigger than the black pa- platform. Yeah. Or what really bothers me about the whole Rachel Dolezal thing Right. Is that um, everything she did was selfish. Like, I don't, like, you can't tell me otherwise. Like, to just pretend to be a certain race and to just put yourself at a disadvantage that you don't have to be. Right. And that, for for our listeners, just to catch them up, Rachel Dolezal was, um, she headed up, like, an NAACP chapter in, I think, Spokane, Washington. and yeah. uh, And she, like, dreaded her hair and... Uh, I don't know. Did something to her skin. Dyed her skin, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and and she was definitely white from a white family. And but, lied about being. But lied about mm-hmm. being black and said black is you know is something. And then if you see her high school photo, she's like the whitest girl you've ever right. seen. Right, exactly. But she's like, but, <laughs> so but, she, but she just had always felt black in her heart or whatever, and just like so that's like to the farthest degree of you yeah. know someone calls someone whitewashed or Oreo or whatever, they call them those slurs. But then there's Rachel Dolezal who just completely tries, tries on the outside to take on um, the, the visual She could have some other mental issues going on, though. She could yeah. have some psychological yeah. stuff. So no, there's, def- there's definitely got to be something going on there. But I guess the point I was trying to make is that... Um, and now she says she she feels black, and it's like I don't know what that means. Like I don't feel black. Like I feel human. Right. She could have yeah, did yeah. so much more for the black community, being a white woman. Oh right. Talking about the issues. You know what I'm saying? Like any black mm-hmm. person that mm-hmm. talks about these issues, people are gonna hear them. But there's gonna be a bunch of people that are just like, oh, you're just making a big deal out of something. Right, like you're right. just trying to keep. Pe- you're just trying to say we're keeping you down, stuff like right. that. But if you have a white person that's like. There's a systemic like racism in America that's right. keeping black people in prison. It's killing black babies. That's always going to have a bigger platform. That's what I would like to see. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white. I'm in love, but I'm still sad. I found peace, but I'm not glad. All my nights and all my days. 
So, so if she really cared about um, black the black community, she would have retained her whiteness and, yeah. and spoke yeah. out spoke out from that platform because <laughs> that, been would honest. Have, that would have been yeah. that would have been well, more Well, maybe powerful. she felt like she wouldn't be accepted though by the black community, or she wouldn't be. Well, able that, to get that's that why job. it's that's why it's selfish because it's yeah. all about her sure. being accepted, not her actually sure. fighting for the rights of people. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's it would be easy. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable as a white person just going into a neighborhood and being like, I'm here to help. Like you're going to think that they're automatically thinking you're up to something or that like, it, it's hard not to feel that way. And that's, but not I think it's a, that's not necessarily what, what black people want. They want the white people to, to turn to the left and right in their communities. And if they see something, say something and then champion champion black issues among their white peers. Cause that's, what's really going to change it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, it's kind of like the whole missions trip thing. It's like you can come and help for a little bit and then go back home. But it's like you really need to just change the environment around you. And then like if everyone plays their part and then it would kind of go all the way across the country. But right. yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of the same thing with like, you know, Christians and like how do we reach to the world that, you know, doesn't care and thinks we're up to something it's just kind of like you kind of got to put yourself in some uncomfortable situations and just start you know like affecting your area of influence we all have an area of influence so it's like you can make the changes there right there are there are two philosophies a lot of times i argue with people about this like some of my friends will go when you're a christian and you know the gospel you have to have sort of this tough love you have to kind of walk into the neighborhood and be like you guys aren't really following the way that jesus said we should do things (laughs) you know what i mean and yeah. it, and, and I, I've gotten to a point where I'm like, that's like a white person saying black people have the same opportunities as the white kids. They're just lazy. And you just want to go, no, that is not the case. You can't roll in and open a Bible and say, this is what you got to be doing, people. And people are just going to suddenly go, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> or you can't just tell people, you can't just tell black kids like, come on, man, get a job and, and be successful. Go to Harvard. Right? Yeah. Just go to Harvard. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. I always argue this with my, my my super conservative Christian friends or just my f- Christian friends who've just been sort of in the same town their whole life. I don't know, whatever it is, <laughs> or in the same church their whole life or the same perspective their whole life. Just like, mm-hmm. it's not that easy. Yeah. It's easier to tell a gay person, oh, the Bible says this is wrong. It's harder to go to their wedding and be a part of their life. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and and say, I, I, I accept you as another person. As a human being. And that's the difference, I think, is just that I think you're saying to white people, you've got to understand that there is a problem in America and you have to admit that there is a problem. And that's okay. That doesn't mean a lot of white people just refuse to admit there's an issue. (laughs) Well, there's always there's always defensiveness. It's the same thing in religion. Uh, You know, if if someone's experienced church abuse and they bring that up to a pastor, the pastor might say, well, not all churches are like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, this defensive tone. It's like, well, I'm not like that. You know, yeah. or I didn't do that to you, as opposed to you can't talk about what Mark Driscoll did up in Seattle. Right. Because, oh, you're just causing church dissension. Right. Exactly. Just... Exactly. But we have to really and, and I think, Aaron, you know, we're talking a lot, but we have to be able to <laughs> listen to people. Uh, yeah. And, and not on podcasts. <laughs> not on podcasts. <laughs> we have microphones in front of our face. and We're going to shout into them all the time. But. But we have to learn to listen to people and see people and not just get defensive. And I think as white people, and I've been in that situation, you know, when I was a lot younger, 
and people being like, you know, racism exists and this bad white person did this to me. And I'd feel defensive and be like, well, I've never, I don't, you know, and I'd have this kind of defensive reaction. Like, I'm not that like, don't hate white people, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's just total fragility now that I see it. But, but being able to go, I'm sorry that that happened. And I'm sorry that this is happening. And I really, really want to do, what can I do? How can I help? Yeah. That is, I think, a better posture than, you know, a lot of people who get defensive or, or try to sum it up. Like, just just do something easy. Yeah. You know? and ex- Bootstraps. Accepting that there is a problem isn't, doesn't mean you're contributing to the problem. Sure, but... You- you know, like you're just you're just saying like, oh yeah, I recognize there's a problem. But doesn't right. mean that like you're the one causing the problem. But I do benefit from the problem. I do benefit. Yeah. I mean, I ben I benefit that's, by that's being true. white, and in, in that people don't pull me over in my car every time they see me drive by, mm-hmm. and they don't harass me and search me and send me to jail for misdemeanors that I definitely committed. You know, like like mm-hmm. there are certain things that I definitely benefit from. Um, and just growing up where I did and, and, and having decent schools and opportunities and um, a family structure that supported me. I mean, all these things, class, race, they all play into my level of privilege. And it's yeah. just recognizing that, I think. Getting back to like uh, the white people that are doing something, who are some white people besides Bradley Cooper <laughs> who are influencing culture, doing things, some white people that are like, for other, for you know, for white people to look to, to try to emulate, like this is how you do it. This is how you, this is how you try to change huh. things in America. Are there people that are doing that that you that you see and know and read about? <laughs> Not just sure. Bradley Cooper. <laughs> celebrities. <laughs> you think it's yeah. just I mean, like, yeah. I was just gonna name celebrities. I think they're more concerned with the um, the fame and fortune. <laughs> The, no, well, no, like the LGBTQ right, right. movement, okay. which I think is, I, I'm saying, like, I, I don't discredit that movement. Like, the stuff that they have to, like, endure sure. is crazy wrong, too. Um, so that seems to be, like, the whole, like, fame, the celebrity focus right, right now. Yeah. So I'm not seeing too much of it. Not to say that there's not, as far as what I see, it's more that seems to be the focus, but... Each cause is important. Right, so. right. It seems like now that I've heard your story a lot more, I can understand and I identify with how you would feel sort of uh, isolated because sort of sort of not a part of any of these groups. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know what group I felt a part of because it was like I was too dark to be white, but I was too white on the inside to be you know black. So it was it was hard for sure. Is that does that help you identify with like I mean because this is this is what it really comes down to, I think, is identity, right? Like, who am I? Allowing mm-hmm. people to have and express their own identity apart from the group, you know, apart from, like, just to be an individual, just allow people space to be individuals, I think is I think is really key. What are some other common myths that you think white people think? That all black people are funny. It's not true. <laughs> we're not all funny. Just, just stupid things that, like, you know, we're all... And I like into rap music. I mean, I like rap music, but it's not what I listen to Who's the your most. Favorite rapper? My favorite rapper is probably Lupe oh, Fiasco. Dang, Lupe. Nope, see? Yeah. 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 Well, I know I know Christians are into Kendrick Lamar, so I was just I was stereotyping your your Christianhood. 
I thought you thought I was going to say Lacroix. Oh, oh, that's even more. That's way. That's too Christian. Yeah, I thought. <laughs> Matt, I, Matt, that's pretty good. I thought you were going to be so naive. You would say something like "Modest Yahoo," and you'd be like, no, he, he said he grew up with a bunch of Jewish people, so. <laughs> oh, no. I think at the end, you know, usually at the end of podcasts, I always kind of try to get to the like, what what are we going to do about it? I always just wonder, like, how, where does the change begin? What do white people? I mean, I think one thing white people can do is um, stop operating out of a place of fear. Yeah. So it's just like anytime you operate at a place of fear, like it's just, that's when people do like really crazy things. It's because they're just so afraid and they don't even know what they're afraid of that they just act out. And I think another thing is to, instead of trying to sympathize with black people, you may know, just try to empathize. You can't ever feel, know what it's like to be black. And instead of trying to be like, well, at least like there's something like this, like instead of trying to silver line it, just be like, you know, I don't understand what you're dealing with, but I'm here to listen. Yeah. And I'm here to help in any way that you see fit for me to help or you think I can help like. And just to approach it and it's from a stance like that. Yeah, as opposed mm-hmm. to the white white savior complex. Like, I'm going to come in, yeah. I'm going to roll in yeah. and <laughs> save everybody, which is yeah, just like imperialism and empire and uh, much of the same. Yeah, so stop with the, I'm going to call my governor tomorrow and I'm going to, like, you know, just, just forget all that. You will never know what you could ever be. If you never try, you will never see. Stay in Africa, we ain't never leave. So the one no slaves in a history One no slave ships, one no misery Call me crazy, or isn't he? See, I fell asleep, and I had a dream It was all black, 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 everything We ain't get exploited White man ain't fearing So he did not destroy it We ain't work for free See they had to employ it Built it up together So we equally appointed First 400 years See we actually enjoyed it Constitution written by W.E.B. Du Bois Well no reconstruction Civil war got avoided Little black Sambo Grows up to be a lawyer Extra extra On the newsstands Black woman voted Head of Ku Klux Klan Malcolm Little dies As an old man Martin Luther King Read the eulogy for him Followed by Bill O'Reilly who read from the Koran. President Bush sends condolences from Iran. Where Fox News reports lie. How does this play out in social media where you see, I don't know, white people saying things or not saying things? Do you feel like there's the trolls of, I don't know, there's, I just have those people I know in my life who share certain articles that relate to, see, white, peop- white yeah. people are being discriminated <laughs> you know against. What, another thing oh, is, please. don't attack people who are actually taking a stand for the right thing. Like I had a friend who shared an article about how abortion as affects uh, blacks and pretty much just minorities in America and how like um, it's kind of like systemic racism. Mm. She was doing a great thing and like she got a bunch of flack for it. Now she's not, um, she's not a minority herself, but she was just trying to educate people and they were like, and she was even getting black, flack from black people that were like, no, like, that's not it. And it's like, no, that, that is it. And, like, she's trying to. Wow. I think the more, mm, honestly, yeah. uh, white people get shared stuff like that, yeah. it would do so much. Like, if you just, like, I'm not saying everyone go home and, like, uh, look up an article to share right now. But, I mean, like, if you really see something that bothers you and, you know, upsets you that you start thinking about it like share it with other people so that other people can become aware of it sure 
you know, awareness is awareness is a great place to start. But on yeah, it's a that's a great starting place, and I agree with you. But it seems like I, I've been kind of spent on on the social justice warrior uh, Facebook posting because I feel like people can kind of just sit there and just go, well, now I have my identity. I just click share to reinforce that identity, and I don't actually do anything. And maybe I even have, um, I have some racism in me that is not even dealt with. And yeah. maybe I am actually afraid of black people, but here I am like a social justice warrior. Like I haven't, like I, like there's some sub subconscious thing that's going on that like your, your heart's not actually changed. It's just, it's more for your ego. And I see that among yeah. my white friends. I see that. It's like, they've just totally glommed on to this movement that is all about sharing, you know, BLM stuff and which I do share too. And I have, but like, they're not necessarily, there's not a transformational heart change. And I don't even think they've read Why We Can't Wait by MLK or Letter from Birmingham Jail. Like, I don't think they understand black history or, you know, even yeah. like, you know, liberation theology. Some of my Christian friends, like, they don't really understand the whole thing. They're just like, oh, no, I identify with this group because this group is powerful and it really supports my ego. Yeah. And so that's what that's what really bugs me. I'm like, oh. I know that person is kind of racist and now they're like, <laughs> what? now they're doing yeah, it. I mean, I guess I would encourage everyone to like, honestly, like a documentary that changed my life was 13th. That's oh, on Netflix dude, right now. So good. So good. So like, I think every white person should, should yes, watch that. Absolutely. That should be like, it should be like a white. There it is. Tonight, you tonight, <laughs> tonight yeah, watch I, honestly, the 13th. Yeah. Like if you, if you've listened to this conversation and you're like, I kind of want to do something immediately go on your netflix and watch that because that's going to do something wow. to you and actually you know what um, i think christina cleveland who i mentioned earlier is on that documentary so that okay yeah. then i definitely okay yeah. so then i de then i knew who you're talking about that um there's that book the new jim crow mm -hmm. um so just stuff like i would read that book and i would i would, at the very least i would watch that documentary right. because honestly like i i know i'm talking right now but like i said like I wasn't even aware of all the stuff that is facing like black people. Oh no, yeah, like how sla how slavery never ended. Like that you just don't yeah, even like know it, how how it went from it went from slavery to prison gangs to chain gangs where they built railroads mm -hmm. to um just total mass incarceration. Um yeah. Because the system didn't change. I yeah. would th I think that would help white people understand why black people don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it's not like and it's not like anything you necessarily did, but right. there's this whole thing you don't know about, and it's like that's why that's why some black people can't be standoffish to white people because they yeah. know that it's better for them to not trust them than right. to trust them because they've seen a history of what lo it looks like to trust. Um, white people. So. so, I mean, that's why when people say, well, I try to reach out to black people, but they don't really give me a chance. It's like, okay, poor you. Uh, it, you know, you like, like the Christina Cleveland <laughs> thing, even just because of her pri privilege in class, she's black, but they yeah. still didn't trust her. And she had to sit yeah. and listen and live with them for months before they would, um, they would actually befriend her. And that's totally okay and fine. And people, you know, people want instant reactions from like, you know, that's a savior complex, like going in, like, look at, I marched in this thing. Like everybody loved me. And it's like, no, you're just, <laughs> and that's, and that's the mentality that I argue with my friends who have the same idea with the gospel. 
you know, it's like that it's an easy thing to do. You just have to tell people based on this Bible verse that they're wrong. And and I'm constantly trying to argue with, with people, you know, just look. Like the hardest thing to do is put yourself in someone else's shoes and sit there a while. Yeah. And then see them better than you see yourself, which is just right. really hard to do. And I, I think of so many white people and so many white friends, the first thing that comes out of their mouth whenever this conversation comes up, they always go, I'm not racist, but. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but something pretty, pretty racist. <laughs> yeah. So is it that we're all racist? Like all white people are kind of all racist? Do you believe that? Or is, is, do we go as far as that? I don't believe that. Like all white people have racism in them. I think, I think all people have some type of prejudice in them if they're not willing to educate themselves. Right. So, like, if I choose not to learn about a specific culture or group, right, and I only use my eyes and I'm and just to see how they act or how a few of them act that I can actually see, then I'm gonna have like you know, I'm going to have those racist thoughts or stereotypes because I'm not actually learning about the whole group. I'm just seeing a few individuals. Right, right. So it's about it's about empathy and understanding people's story. and Yeah. And then white people need to stop saying, I don't see color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's another thing of it. Yeah, um, I'm colorblind. I, I don't know if you saw when Tommy Loren was on um, the show with uh, Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, and she was like, I don't see color. And he was like, what do you do at, like, a traffic light? (laughs) 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 So good. Yeah, so, like, yeah, just things like that. Like, I feel like some people try so hard not to be racist that they end up saying stupid things. Well, it's almost like a defensive, like... It, it, it's it's like I'm protecting myself from being called a racist. My fragility is such that I can't bear to be called a racist, so I have to say things like, I don't see color. I'm, I'm colorblind. Yeah, and it's like, you can have a black friend and still be racist, or like... Sure. You know yeah. Oh, I mean? yeah. If you, if you, I, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. <laughs> yeah, if you think that person is less than you, or that that person deserves a certain amount yeah. of, like to be treated a certain way because of their skin, then you're still racist, whether they're from your, sure, your sure. friend or not. I think everybody has I think everybody has a little bit of racism in them. I'm just going to be... I just think that the, it's just... I, at some point, it's biological, right? You're comfortable with who you are, what you look like and what we all have a little bit like. of Michael Scott in us is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that actually, that reminds me of the a funny part episode. You, 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 you kind of remind me of Stanley, um, oh, in yeah. this one, in this one scene where they hire, they hire the young black guy. Wait, is, Stan, is Stanley a black guy? Yeah. Yeah. Stan, Stan yeah, is oh, a black so guy. Aaron, but you remind him of a black guy. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're just, we're just going to ignore that, but go ahead. <laughs> Like in this scene, in this scene, I have to, mm-hmm. I have to finish it. And at the end, if you tell me I'm a stupid white person for saying this, then so be oh, it. Oh, never, never. Then so be it. But Stanley's sitting down at his desk, and he's, you know, he's the, he's the, he's the black guy in the white office. They hire this yep. younger black guy, and he sits mm-hmm. kind of a, like across the way from Stanley and they show the camera. He looks at Stanley and kind of does the like chest bump with his fist. Like, yeah. And, and Stanley <laughs> rolls his eyes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's why I say you kind of remind you're, you're rolling your eyes at the black people. Like I'm not, I, I'm in this white office. I get it. But don't try to do that to me either. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, does that redeem what I was trying to say? 
No, there's just a lot of funny moments from that oh, show yeah. that deal with race that are, are funny. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but you're not allowed to watch that show, right? You're not. You're not allowed. <laughs> Actually, the, I have a, f- a f- real quick funny story. I have a friend, Sarah, who's like the biggest the classic crime fan. She was actually with me at the show. Oh, right on. And she asked me like a year ago. She was like, "Oh, she was talking about The Office." She's like, "Aaron, like, have you heard of that show?" And I was like, "Did you just ask me if I heard of The Office?" Like, oh, like I'm sorry, like it wasn't on like UPN. I didn't see that show. So like, we always joke with her, like that she that I, she didn't think I saw what The Office was, but yeah, yeah no. <laughs> but no, it did make its way into my home. My parents let me watch awesome. The Office. Oh, that's awesome. nice. Yeah, I love it. So, so what's the what's the basis of Blackish? I've never seen the show, but oh, you said well, you really like it. It's just like a perfect portrayal of what it's like to be a black family in America. It's based on the uh, creator's like actual life, like loosely. So his wife is um, Rainbow in the show, and I think that's her real name actually. But she's half white, half black. So it's so like she does. She even though she's married a black man and has children with him, she still kind of feels a little not fully black because of so they talk they do a lot of interesting um looks at into how it affects her and how it affects us the whole black thing like there's this one episode where like she talks about growing up and how she didn't know which circle to like fill out on like the standard like the sat and like do i put black do i put white and it was just like interesting things that you wouldn't even think of so like like my wife is white um and so when we have uh, when, I, when we have children, like they're gonna be, you know, mixed, and so like I'm constantly thinking about like what that's gonna look like, and like how I'm gonna approach different topics with, you know, sure them. So like, you know, there's a there's a lot of things that you know we have to think about, Guys, and a lot of. I just thought of a brilliant idea, not to cut you off because you were talking about something serious. Oh, no. <laughs> but we need to, the three of us need to come together and start our own board game, like Cards of Hum. Cards Against Humanity, where it's it's all the funny things that black people and white people do. Get them to play this card game together to help break down the stereotypes, and we'd make a million dollars and help the country at the same time, right? Cards Against Racism. Cards Against yeah, Racism, I mean, and we just, we just come up with funny situations. Like, like, you know, like the white person has says, you know, have you ever heard of Curb Your Enthusiasm? You know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> I like that show. And see, it's weird. It's weird. Even the even the shows you watch get judged. Yeah, like yeah. when you're, it's so yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm thinking. It's like Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. is probably the one of the whitest shows out there. Yeah, but but Larry it David is, Bill, is like, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is probably the whitest show out there. Well, well yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe though. I mean, he he pretends like he's on the left side. I guess. Yeah, but I don't know. Larry David just. It, and that's the thing. We're all we're all white people sort of have this Larry David in us where we're kind of clueless mm-hmm. to what's going on and we just get ourselves in these situations and we say dumb stuff. Like even in this podcast I've said some stuff where I'm just like I'll be editing I'll <laughs> yeah, be editing I'll be this editing going that out. I'll be like what yeah. the hell Nate? Like where are you? Cuz I'm just I, you know I grew up and and I don't know. But it's like I don't need to react harshly to you because like you don't know. Like in this conversation, I can tell that you're trying to get to know and like you're you value educating yourself on the issue. So it's like and then like black people also have a responsibility to to give white people some slack, especially the ones that are actually trying to 
figure out how to help. You know, right. like it's it's on both sides. But there's only so. three black people that listen to our podcast. So. <laughs> Am I the first black guest? I've listened to like every episode. But um, I kinda, like I'm like I think yeah. Holy yes. shit. Okay. Holy we don't see shit. color. <laughs> well, we're just two white guys not paying attention. So I'm glad I'm glad but to have you on. Black people don't listen to your band, so how are they gonna know to come onto your show? Like it's not you know there's a whole issue there, but it's fine. It's systemic, man. <laughs> it's systemic. We're trying to break yeah. down the ba- we're trying to break the barriers down. Do you feel like it's the poor white people that are that are frustrated <laughs> because it's like, look, I'm white and I'm poor, and then it's easy to go, why are they getting help from the government or whatever you know what i mean yeah i can definitely i can definitely kind of understand where they're coming from but i mean i still don't think they understand that like at the end of the day like a poor white person is still like better off than like most of like the classes of black people in the sense of just like your odds of going to prison are less. Right. <laughs> you're, I guess like different things like that for the same so, for the same crime. No, I was just gonna say I think like white people are starting to run out of excuses to not know. Like I mean, you have this powerful documentary on Netflix. You have like yeah. the news talking about everything that's happening with like the cops, like oh yeah, no, all, all the police and, like, video, like all that. the police videos uh, the, shared on Facebook yeah. and yeah, it's like you couldn't like to to act like there's not something going on now. It's like no one really has an excuse. Right. What about that like Pepsi commercial where you know Kendall Jenner puts that? What what about that? What about that whole thing? What was the what was the uproar about that? And what do you think? Of, Cause that feels like that feels like a white person directed the video trying to like, oh yeah. Have you yeah. seen the SNL yeah. on that? It's no. so good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it, that's what exactly what it seemed like. It seemed like the right intentions just done wrong. Yeah. yeah. So like I wasn't even like as mad as some people. I'm just like I just can't believe stuff like that gets approved. Like sometimes yeah. I'm just wondering like how commercial ideas get by so many yeah. people. Yeah. But I was just like, no, like that's not. That that doesn't solve anything. <laughs> but that kind of feels like everything. that kind of feels like me though. So I'm have, I'm gonna have to edit this podcast, and I'm gonna and I always theme the music to the episodes. Oh, that's that was my question. So what am I? What music like, am I gonna pick? <laughs> I um like I said, like I'm not just saying that. Like I've listened to like pretty much every episode, um, and I've always been like, how does he find a song to go with the to- like? They're like perfect. Thank you. And then, so when I threw out the topic idea, I was like, one, I wasn't sure if you guys were going to go for it, because I was just like, I mean, I'm just like a random kid, so like, hopefully, they think it's a good idea. So then when you started talking about it, I was like, I have no idea what he's going to do with the music. <laughs> yeah, like, the only idea bands? is like... <laughs> I mean, my favorite band is Thrice. You should probably just put like all the random music on my iPod and just be like, "This is what certain black people listen to." I'm gonna have.
there's an episode of Blackish where they're having a they're gonna be having a a boy, and um they're talking about the name, and the dad picks like a, a really like generic name, right? And the mom wants to name him Defonte, <laughs> and he's like he doesn't want to because he thinks of like. He's like, well, like they're not gonna get a like they're not gonna get a good job because of like, and he just goes through all that list. Right. And then when the kids like actually bored, he's like, you know, like he he just realizes how stupid that is. But it's just a shame that like we you actually have to think like that. Like I'm blessed where my name is Aaron, so at you know like it. You have it name. You have name privilege. Test. Yeah, I have <laughs> name, and it's like it's like so annoying to think about that. But when I'm feeling when I'm filling out applications, I'm like. I got a better shot just because my name's Aaron. Because I have so many cousins with like these names, and I'm just like, that's stupid. But like, it's just like, I feel like to... I feel like we can all just agree to start here. The hardest, the person who's having the hardest time in America is a poor black female handicapped lesbian, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. laugh at that, but you, but the way you, the way you said know, it was. But... The way you said it was funny, Nate. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, it, but, no. I'm not trying to be it's funny. True. Not all white people are funny. But that's Matt. the that's the most intersectional. Uh, yeah, probably. That would be the hard. That person has the hardest time in America. Basically, they belong to every protected yeah. group in America, they, and they, they have, have to be an Im- they have to be an immigrant. Think too. if you had six or seven things going against you, how your life would be different than an average person. It's always good to sort of put myself in their shoes. So I don't know what music I'm going to put on this episode. That's for sure. That's fine. And That's uh, fine. man, I really, I really, I, I could talk about this all day long, but uh, it's yeah. just interesting to me. But I really appreciate you coming on the show. Is there any sort of uh, places like you have uh, a website or anything you want to Twitter or whatever you want to throw out? Yeah. I mean, if you could put them in the show notes, that'd probably be the easiest. But um, yeah, I have my website is www.christianalcoholic.com. Um, and I actually have a new book coming out Thursday. Oh. That, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my first book was AA versus the American Church. Um, and this book is kind of like an autobiography about uh, how my life got kind of uh, turned around and kind of became led by alcohol. So it talks about a bunch of stories that like I'd never share with anyone. And I've got some free ebooks. Like I've written books about small groups and... Um, like how to deal with people that are going through addictions and stuff like that. So are all those links on the on the website? Yeah. Yep. Everything's on the website. So what's the new book called? The new book is called uh, "Birth of a Christian Alcoholic: From First Drink to Almost Last Breath." But um, yeah, I appreciate you guys here having me on. Like it was funny um, bumping into Matt right before this, but but no, it was it was a great time. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, hopefully our comments weren't too ignorant, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you enjoyed it. <laughs> Forgive our whiteness, guess, please. <laughs> no, I didn't envy you guys at all. I was like, I'm so glad to be on this side of the questioning because like I'd, it would have been so much harder to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> and for the three black people that are listening to the show, email us at don't email the trolls and tell us if we did a good or bad job. I yeah, I, I really think it's true. Sherwood and Classic Crime. I'm sure our fans translate over that are probably white. I. Yeah, those three black listeners are my mom, dad, and brother, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, please, yeah, please email us and, and uh, critique us. Be as harsh as you possibly can. Yeah. And um, help and, us learn. Yeah. Help us. Help us, please. Thank you so much, Aaron. <laughs> we appreciate oh, thanks, it. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Bye bye.
convict. What's he wearing? Nothing special. Baseball cap on backward, baggy pants. He says something ordinary like, yo, that's shizzle. Okay, now slowly open your eyes again. Who are you picturing? A black man? Wrong. That was a white woman. Surprised? Well, shame on you. (laughs) 